circus is the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not our hero. Welcome to CC Talk Talk, a podcast where we see and talk about all kinds of stories, games, books, songs, but mostly movies. Today is an exciting day because we finally have a new mic for our audio tracks. But we are also going to geek out about IMAX. Our love for it knows no bound and there's no way anyone can deny it wears the crown. So if you haven't watched a worthy movie in one of its massive halls, maybe do yourself a favour when the pandemic is gone. Because once you've had IMAX, you'll never go back. It's great that we are back and we have a mic. I really, <laughs> now we won't blow your ears apart as we talk. So yeah, back to our topic. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about IMAX today. Uh, me and Delton, we love IMAX. I think it's the best movie experience right. you can get at the moment. Mm-hmm. Screw all the other halls, <laughs> whatever, awnings, LED screens, or oh, shaky chairs, 4D, all that. I, I cannot be bothered. D-box, D-box. D-box. Uh. <laughs> Maybe for plane-based movie, then maybe it will work, like if you're in a car or in a plane, maybe, okay, maybe, I'm just... <laughs> That's stretching it now, man, really. Uh, we're not going to go into technicalities about the screen ratio, the audio and all that, I mean, anyone, you can find it anywhere out there. Right. So today, we are going to talk about our personal experience, our first IMAX experience, that first time we ever stepped into an IMAX hall. I think if you love cinema, you probably will never forget the first time you step into an IMAX hall. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You have to forgive my voice because somebody decided to IMAX the habanero sauce on my burrito. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah, really, really bad. So, <clears throat> yeah, you see? Okay, now I sound a little bit better. Right, like what you said, IMAX. Yeah. Really immersive theatrical experience. There's nothing like it. I know people go to the movies to actually experience a great movie in a, in a theatrical hall, but IMAX is probably the only legitimate format that actually ups the game. Like it really, it really does offer something a little bit more than just you know a normal rectangular screen with seats. Like I mean, that's the it's a basic theatrical hall. It's just that it, the screen basically fills up your entire vision. And, and more. And more. <laughs> so it's not like you're watching a movie, you're actually mm-hmm. literally placed into the movie itself. Yeah. You know, because that's all you can see and that's all you can hear. I think there's about, for a true IMAX theater, there's about 70 speakers inside. Oh, crap. Yeah. That's for the true IMAX hall. I'm not sure about, you know, all these like theatrical chains and mm-hmm. they have an IMAX sponsored hall. Mm-hmm. I think that's something else. Already. I don't think that's in Malaysia then. Yeah. The true IMAX is probably not in Malaysia. But there is one in Australia, yeah. and there is one uh, where I went uh, in Chicago, Illinois, the Navy Pier IMAX Hall. That's probably as good as it's going to get for me. Oh, Still the best, hands down, the best cinema hall I've ever been in. The first time you step into the hall, before the movie even played, you know, as you check in your ticket, you walk up into the dark corridors, mm-hmm. and you step in and you... I mean, for me, the first time when I saw how steep the seats were, I was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it looks like a stadium already, it right? Does, it you does. were literally, everyone was 
probably press into the screen as much as possible. And when you actually sit down and you just look around the hall before the lights go dark, hmm. and you when it dawns upon you how huge the freaking screen yeah. is, and even before the movies plays, uh, you just look at that huge white canvas and you're like, whoa, this is huge. Yeah, it, that that actually is like a teaser in and of itself. Yeah. It basically just shows, you know, hey, this is the big. Uh, this is the big screen that you're gonna experience this movie in. Brace yourself, oh, you know, because it's basically like a portal to another world, almost literally. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why we played the end of the Dark Knight, Nolan's Dark Knight, is because it was the first commercially successful film IMAX movie with IMAX yeah, cameras. I think, yeah, it was definitely one of the, if not the very first yeah. like mainstream Hollywood film to yeah. actually use IMAX cameras to be fully utilized in actual IMAX halls. Yeah. So you, you get like an added theatrical experience compared to if you watch the normal version. Yeah. And if you didn't know, when you watch The Dark Knight, certain scenes are shot from like the whole the whole screen is covered and certain shots are sliced into a white screen, then there's the black bars at the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's because way back then there were very, very limited IMAX cameras around the world. There's probably like 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And when Nolan shot The Dark Knight, he, were, he was given four of the IMAX cameras in the world. So it was really difficult to use back then and the film itself to use in the IMAX cameras were very rare. So The Dark Knight couldn't film entirely in IMAX, so only certain scenes had the IMAX shots. Right? And Nolan destroyed one of them, <laughs> filming that tunnel sequence where the Joker was chasing in the truck. Mm-hmm. And if you notice one scene where the Batmobile launches up to block an RPG missile and it flies towards the camera, I think that's when the camera gets destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a little fun fact for you. And that's why we chose to play the Dark Knight as the intro for this episode. Well, well IMAX cameras are not easy to handle. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean back then, now, now the technology is different. Like back then, it, you're basically controlling a camera which is about as big and weighs about the size of a refrigerator. For if real? not heavier. Yeah, for oh real. So for yeah, real. so whenever that thing's on, even, even the actors have to be caref- have to be very careful because you know there's this Shit, I knew it was heavy, but I didn't know it was like a refrigerator. Really heavy, you know, back then because the technology was oh, wasn't used to act- making actual feature films. I mentioned yeah, documentaries. Documentaries, yeah. you know, all these sports. Where the cameras don't need to move so right, much. Right. Like where the, where the camera yeah. remains static and if you saw the dark night you, you'll notice there's a lot of sequences where the IMAX cameras were in motion. Yeah. So, that, so I gotta give props to Nolan for actually, you know, pulling off amazing feats with the IMAX camera and then yeah. showing the world, hey, it's more than just a documentary camera, you know. And of course, a lot of filmmakers jump the bandwagon on IMAX. Not that I'm complaining. I, uh, the more IMAX, the merrier. Yeah. But uh, right now, it, it seems like everything, everything's being saturated with IMAX without the filmmakers actually knowing how to use IMAX. Yeah. I mean, the, the movies were not shot for IMAX. That's the easiest way to put it. Because right. it's a wider ratio, a bit of the technical parts here, but mm. because it's a wider ratio, you need to know how to balance right. the shots, the size of the person in a certain scene, the white shots, how far you go, and all that stuff, mumbo jumbo. <laughs> and yeah, not all directors know how to balance it out on screen. It, right? it's, it's all framing. You need to frame the actors, yeah. you need to frame the action properly. With IMAX, it's expanded. Yeah. It becomes bigger. But that's the thing. Mm. When these IMAX movies are forced into a normal screen, they slice off the top and bottom. 
which is really painful <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Are you referring to the Avengers movies? That yeah, that was the first one where I really noticed. Yeah. Because I remember when Thanos first stepped into the screen in the Avengers Infinity oh, right. War, oh, no. his yeah. forehead and his, like, below his belly button could not be seen. <laughs> and then when I went in to watch in the IMAX hall, I suddenly realised, oh my god, he has a forehead and, like, a waist and a belt. Where was it in the normal cinema? Here's the thing about the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how they use IMAX. I think they're using it in the most basic way possible. Yeah. I, I am not saying that as a criticism or uh, as praise, but basically they shoot their footage in IMAX. Yeah. And they, like you said, they just crop the top and bottom off. Yeah. I think they really planned how to crop the top and bottom off. So, because I saw Avengers Endgame a second time in the IMAX hall, the first time I saw it was a normal uh, Atmos hall, so I get the, the wider angle. But, second time, I saw it in IMAX, bigger, more image detail. And the, f- and the first thing that struck me was, it looked, to be honest, and I'm not knocking Maori here, it looked a bit cheap. Yeah. Like, it looked like a made-for-TV movie. Like, I, I've, it completely... Made for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> you gonna edit go that far? Okay, sure. Why not? I have... Yeah, but it but it really did not look like a complete theatrical movie. The yeah. IMAX edition. It really looked like it was a video game. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, I would go so far as to actually prefer the regular theatrical cut yeah. over the IMAX edition of Marvel movies. This is an issue because Marvel. I mean, the Russo brothers know what they're doing, so. The fact that the IMAX product came out to be lesser than the actual normal product is a bit jarring to me. Mm. Okay, that is also another co- conversation for another time. <laughs> We're talking about IMAX today. So, yeah, what was that first IMAX movie that changed your mind? Changed my mind in, in what way? Convincing you that IMAX was something more. Okay. Oh well, if it's I, just your first IMAX so, movie. Okay, so I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a journey here. like the movies which convinced me IMAX was the way to go. Yeah. So the very first movie that I saw in IMAX, and I think this is gonna elicit some <laughs> negative responses yeah, sure. from you, was Prometheus. Yeah. It's okay. Be- because I because I heard uh, Ridley Scott, he didn't actually film it in IMAX, but he saw the negative of the film, and he realised, you know, hey, with a little bit of uh, tweaks, it can actually be expanded than the normal theatrical version, mm-hmm. and it'll be like an IMAX release. But I didn't see it in a true IMAX hall. I, I saw it in one of those, you know, chain cinema sponsored IMAX yeah. halls. Yeah. So, but the image was immersive. And when I stepped foot into the hall, I'm like, okay, so this is what IMAX is all about. This the hall is huge, bigger than anything that I've ever been in, bigger than the, the THX Atmos hall that I used to frequent to back in back in the cinemas at my home. Mm. And of course, the the movie. Say what you will about the movies, the narrative, the images yeah. were spectacular. Mm they really felt like they belonged to the IMAX screen. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I was satisfied. I wasn't completely blown away by it, but I felt really satisfied. Yeah. The second movie on my IMAX journey was uh, The Dark Knight Rises, but also, again, I saw it at an IMAX light. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. But I could tell there was a difference between this and Prometheus because Nolan really knew how to use the IMAX cameras really well for his film. You, you could tell that some scenes, they just don't have that same effect if you're watching in a normal that film. first film. sequence with the, the plane, plane, yeah, yeah that, that was, was the fame IMAX That shot was point. breathtaking, yeah. that was breathtaking. And when I saw it in IMAX with the expanded ratio, I'm like, wow, you know, you really could tell, like you really could, you almost could sense the actual height yeah. that sequence took place on. Yeah. And you know, you could get vertical from just looking at it for too long. Yeah. 
like that's a really startling effect so that's when I started to take notice the power of IMAX compared to a regular theatrical hall now the third one and this was what really sealed the deal for me wasn't filmed in IMAX but again same like Prometheus expanded ratio it was Skyfall and this one I mm-hmm. saw it in the actual true IMAX hall in the Navy Pier IMAX in Chicago now first thing that struck me was the size of the screen forget everything you knew about the IMAX light halls yeah. this was basically the size of a giant opera hall yeah sounds and cool. I think that sounds if awesome. I am not mistaken the screen looked to be about five to six stories tall we're talking about actual yeah. story yeah. building here so yeah the, like you said the step the stairs were very steep it was a stadium-like sitting, but I, I didn't mind, man. I was just like awed just by the screen. You if, know, if I'm going to ask you to recall that one scene in Skyfall that really took your breath away. I'm well, sure you can remember. Yes, yeah. of course. I remember it was, it's still my favorite moment among all the Bond films. So it was at the end when, you know, spoilers for Skyfall, if you haven't seen it, please see the movie. Uh, at the end when his house blows up, yeah. like, and that is, it's not even a big action scene, it was just like him chasing the, uh, the bad guys. But it was across the ice yeah. and it was pitch black darkness. The only thing lighting it up was the fire from the house. The cinematography by Roger Deakins is so damn gorgeous. Yeah. It just, I was just soaked into the, the film. It was so beautiful to look at and it was expanded ratio. It really melted into the scene. One of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen uh, from a film ever absolutely captivating i was hypnotized by it and that's when that was the moment i know imax is the way to go for serious for movies my experience with imax changed with an entirely different kind of movies more cgi based funnily enough (laughs) it's actually pacific rim right so when pacific rim came out you kind of knew that it's going to be one of those uh, rock'em sock'em robot show but you know that under gilbert the toro it's going to be better than average for sure even though it might be minus, I mean, you kind of knew from the trailer that it's going to be a mindless fun movie. Right. But you, you know, with Dr. there, you know the art is going to be great, and then mm-hmm. with all the behind-the-scenes things. So yeah, fast forward, I, when this movie came out, me and my brother was so excited for it. So we pre-booked an IMAX ticket. We haven't watched an IMAX hall before, mm-hmm. but hey, we heard stories that it's great, and it was a premium price, like 20 ringgit more. Right. So we were like, yeah, sure, let's book whatever the best experience we can get for Pacific Rim. <laughs> so the night before I went with my brother, my colleagues actually got excited for the movie and dragged me to watch it the day before I watched my brother. Ooh. So we went for a normal cinema hall. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie and I hated the movie. <laughs> Legit. At the end of it, I was so disappointed. I'm like, that's it. This is Pacific Rim after all that awesome oh, King ass trailer. So the, next, the day after, my brother was messaging me like, oh, I'm so excited for it. And I'm over there like, yeah, <laughs> it's okay lah, you know, it could be better lah. But I'm like, we really bought the tickets, so we just went for it. So I stepped into the IMAX hall, huge hall, really like, wow, I can't believe I'm paying big money to watch a bad movie that I didn't enjoy the night before. But when the movie played, and that first scene that Gypsy Danger steps out from the hangar bay and hops into the ocean, for that first fight scene with Knife Head, Oh my god! <laughs> it, it helps that the IMAX hall has crazy loudspeakers. Oh yeah. And every blow, every punch, and every roar of the kaijus 
your seats shook and vibrated. So holy crap, dude. You didn't and need D-box for that. <laughs> yeah, you don't even need D-box because the seat was already shaking the life out of you. And whenever the scene shows the the insides of the, the gypsy danger and well Delta, right? All that hologram floating around them, that command console. Holy crap, dude, you can see everything like on their radar, you can see every single dot. You can see every nuclear reading and whatever else you can see inside the Gypsy Danger. It was beautiful. And then the second fight scene when Gypsy Danger was trying to defend Tokyo, was it? Or Kyoto? It was Tokyo. Or Seoul. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> They're defending. Gypsy Danger was up against that two kaijus after the big guy electromagnetized that area and yeah. killed off. Yeah, so there was a one-on-one and then the kaiju, that big gorilla-like kaiju, jumps forward and he basically the whole screen was just that kaiju and he roars out loud and i think that was the moment i was like holy shit for once a big screen was utilized to display something truly massive like i really felt there was a a real kaiju in front of me and Mm. roaring out loud that was the one that really like i was holy shit imax and i love pacific rim just 24 hours later from absolutely disappointed to absolutely loving it. That's, that's when you knew formats have a big part to play in yeah. your experience. And after that, Dunker, I mean almost every Nolan movie. Yeah. Holy crap. Dude, yeah, I get it. I also saw Interstellar at the Navy Pier IMAX. You lucky partner. <laughs> I, uh, I almost got deaf because of the organ scenes and the loud sound effects. But yeah. man, was it quite an experience. It's worth it. It was mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, absolutely worth it if you have the chance to watch it in an IMAX hall. Probably soon, if uh, if Tenet ever sees the light of day. They're probably going to do a Nolan V1. Right. <laughs> but yeah, man, the IMAX experience is great. And one thing I realised, especially with the new Star Wars, uh, not The Last Jedi, Okay. <laughs> but I'm talking about The Force Awakens. So, it was a big thing, right? It was being re-released and the whole Star Wars fandom was going crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I realized one thing that if you go to the IMAX hall, especially in the first week or so, uh, in a way, because it's a premium price to pay, 20 minutes more or so, sometimes more, but I realized that when I step into the IMAX hall, especially for a big movie like Star Wars with its own fandom, everyone in the hall I knew was along for the ride. Yeah. Because everyone, all the fans wanted the best experience. So in a way, I think that's one thing that I, I eventually came to appreciate about going to the IMAX hall, especially in the first few days of a movie release, is that you know that when you step in there, you are with the right company. Yeah. You know that you won't have anyone who forgot to switch off their phones <laughs> or like munching away on the popcorn because everyone there wants the experience to be great. It's, so, it's a collective experience. Yeah. So you basically go along as a group compared to you know with a group yeah. big difference with yeah. those words but yeah you know i also i went to see the force awakens mm. it's very first imax screening when it came out at my at my place so i think it was 12 midnight <laughs> yeah i think everyone yeah. did the 12 midnight show everybody because, like, because it was star wars and yeah. back then you know the force awakens it was like the first one since what revenge of the sea yes. 10 years before yeah. so yeah it was, it was a big deal and when i got to the theater i really had my tickets Everybody was already dressed up, yeah. like in their costume. Oh yeah, hmm. I well, I bought a lightsaber, <laughs> my lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. But 
get turns out other people brought their lightsaber to the IMA, so I love it. I was like, I thought I was going to be like the only weird fellow bringing a lightsaber, but no. That's no, no. so why I just, if I bring it to a normal hall, I bet that I'm probably the only one with a lightsaber. But with the IMAX hall, others bought their lightsabers too, and it was pretty cool. Uh. They know they're they they not going to disrupt anybody in the hall yeah. because like, it's so big. Just take the lightsaber, what's going to happen? It's great. But yeah, I, I get it. I, I understood why Star Wars is like a big thing. Even though, not to say that I'm a big fan of the franchise, but I'm neutral towards it. Yeah. So I just went in, I approached it as I approached a normal film, and I, I can see why this has a large fan base. It was a real crowd piece. Yeah. Uh, then the other two movies came along. So, <laughs> Dante knows my views on the next two Star Wars movies, <laughs> but we're not going to go there. Not, not today, yeah, not, not <laughs> today. Yeah. So IMAX, man. Uh, I think if if you haven't watched IMAX, pick a good movie to watch it. Don't watch. I I wouldn't say an average movie, but that's the only way I can describe certain movies. Like if you know the director knows his stuff. Yeah. And if you know the director works with a uh, director or photographer like Deakins, and they know how to frame a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful movies like maybe The Revenant. Oh yes. Yeah. Or the one or nineteen seventeen. You know, movies that were made to look beautiful, uh, whether or not you enjoy the story is another thing. But when you just watch it on an IMAX hall, like Delton so beautifully describes it, you really get immersed because you can't see the ends of the screen as you watch it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might complain that the subtitles are the bottom because you actually need to pan your head <laughs> downwards to see the subtitles. That's how big the screen is. So yeah, <laughs> another thing, a tip and advice is that if you go to an IMAX hall, Please, please sit in the center. But try not to sit to the side. Yeah, I can't imagine I, how. <laughs> I I saw Avengers Endgame by the sides. Uh, not good. Yeah. To say the least. <laughs> Get it in the center and slightly higher than your average. Cause any lower, you'll be so near the screen that. Oh my god! I can't imagine. I never tried it, so I can't imagine how it is. But I don't think it'll be a very. Either either get the center row at the very back or in the center like really center row center seats yeah those those are the most effective ones. it's one of the rare halls where i say it's worth paying for the couple seats because yes okay. unlike other halls where the speakers are up in front of the couple seats i have no idea freaking why <laughs> but in imax hall the speakers are behind you so the couple seats in the center will be one of the best seats you will ever ever experience yeah. in the cinema hall holy shit, man anything else you want to share about imax yeah again like going off what joey said yeah I do agree that you may have to pick your movies wisely when yeah. it comes to seeing please, IMAX. Please. Uh, not taken two or taken three. I, look, <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, but yeah, you have to basically do a little bit of reading up and yeah. see which director is very visually keen yeah. or which director is a knows how to use an IMAX camera. Yeah. Yeah. So like. People like Nolan, people like James Cameron, you know, Avatar, say what you will about Avatar, but his images are stunning. And also, again, you know, Inaritu, the guy who made The Revenant. So I saw The Revenant in IMAX, even though it it wasn't filmed in IMAX, but it's still one of the most beautiful theatrical experiences I personally have ever had. I think one one easy way to explain this is that because the screen is so big, Mm -hmm. you get to see every detail. Yeah. Not even kidding, it's like magnified. You might think it's ridiculous, why would I want to watch something magnified? But when it comes to movies where uh, you want to get to see every detail, you know, for example, if Star Wars, 
you want to see the buttons on the lightsaber because the screen is so freaking <laughs> right. huge you can and it's great sometimes but i think one thing uh, suddenly when you were talking about that i remember is that maybe even for musicals because oh, yes the imax yeah. speakers are great whether it was on purpose it's extra loud it's great <laughs> I, I have a confession to make I yeah think you're probably gonna <laughs> yeah, look sure. the wrong way so I saw the greatest showman in IMAX. Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, but I saw it for free. But the sound is good. I saw it for free. Yeah. Okay. I had a free ticket, so I used it. So I thought, okay, when the only thing that was showing was the greatest showman. Yeah. So okay, I went and I saw. Yes, it was made for it wasn't filmed in IMAX, but there's some movies which were made for IMAX yeah. that was one of them. The it's sound really man. Crowd pleasing experience. Sound in IMAX is also as great as the screen itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if the movie was not recorded oh. <laughs> on IMAX, but the IMAX speakers are just great. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, no, the, the movie didn't really work for me, but I appreciate the uh, the choreography and the sound mixing that went into it. It really felt like a larger-than-life movie. Yeah. And one thing I thought would be really fun, even though it probably elicit a moment of silence from us, <laughs> is that I'm going to ask us, what is that one new thing that we... <laughs> we wish or we want or we hope that cinemas can bring in to enhance that cinematic experience. You know, it can be a gimmick. If you like D-Box, for example, it can be, you know, an extra set of D in there. <laughs> so- sounds like you want to bring back smellow vision. I mean, sure, if that's something that you enjoy, sure, but let's just say that's, that's one thing that if you can just hope or wish or can create to enhance that cinematic experience, what will it be? <laughs> I'll put it in a moment. I'll cut a moment out because we probably <laughs> think. I just never think about it. We, are, we, we, <laughs> we both never thought about this earlier, so we're gonna think about it now and whoever thinks about it first will say it first. <laughs> well, there was this one internet meme I saw going, yeah. going about, so I think you all know that oh, with all this coronavirus thing out and about, they are there's a lot of people thinking of alternative ways to you know show movies to the public so one of them i saw was basically an outdoor movie at a pool okay. with uh, f- floating seats or sure. uh, you know like a, like a pool party but with a movie okay so <laughs> and you know i saw somebody else commented hey you know you should do you should play Dunkirk there, but <laughs> to add to the experience, you should fire live torpedoes at the audience. <laughs> so, so they'll sink when the boats sink. <laughs> so instead of an immersive experience, you get a submersive experience. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but we, uh, in a way, it would be quite sick la, if you can actually pull that off. Ooh, ooh. Not a real torpedo, but some you know, fountain spray water <laughs> out there. Maybe even Jaws. Get someone to paddle around in a shark. So yeah, the rubber shark it just bites on the. Yeah. That looked weird, but yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Man, I'm pretty stumped. I'm not sure what I want. Okay. I guess I can see a future with, you know, a wider screen. I know there's like a 180 screen now, or maybe even VR. I can see a future there because with IMAX, we're almost there. Hmm. But the problem is that the movies has to be made for those formats. Right. So if the movie, if the cinema is supporting one eighty degrees, then if the film is shot for one eighty degrees, then I can see it happening, and I can see it maybe becoming the future, especially maybe for VR, because you are literally in the movie. 
Although I'm not sure how they're going to pull it off at all. VR is still in its infancy, yeah. so it's still very, you know, very too early to tell yeah. you know, whether how far it's going to go. Sorry if in the future, mm. like, because I can't, I can't think of a better way. If you upgrade the chairs, sure, more comfortable chairs is fine. Massage chairs, I think, <laughs> even though it's more comfortable, but I don't want things rubbing me as I watch a movie. It's just weird. Uh, chairs that you know shake and tumble right. like D-Box. Nah, that's a roller coaster, right? It's not a movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, unless you're watching, like you say, unless you're watching a movie involving planes or yeah. cars, then D-Box isn't worth it. Yeah. So I can't see how the cinematic experience can improve. Other than that, I will plug in and say that having a private cinema like M&A <laughs> <laughs> would be great. But you know, that's a different thing altogether. Mm. So other than improving the experience of you sitting there, it has to be the screen then or maybe I would say the sound but the sound is really great you can't beat 70 speakers in a hall <laughs> pluck it all yeah. around you know so you can't beat that, that that's yeah. one of a kind seriously even other theaters wouldn't do that yeah they can come they can drive they're welcome to try but I don't think they'll match that experience yeah so maybe the only way is that if filmmaking itself improves then the delivery of it in the cinema halls might change yeah, right. unless we, other than that I really can't see we really try to crack our head to see what other input there was <laughs> I remember something you know Mad Magazine that comedy magazine yeah Yeah. so I remember this from long ago they actually had this idea of how to improve the home theatre or cinematic sure. experience yeah. so instead of VR goggles yeah. they're like contact lenses <laughs> Well, that's the like that's the future of the future. The future of the future. Yeah. You play a movie via contact lenses yeah, and you watch Black Mirror. Wireless headphones with five point one or seven point one surrounds. Black Mirror, do it. Black Mirror cover that. Okay, yeah. another sort of a new topic as we did this. <laughs> totally not ten at all. That one movie that you regret not watching at IMAX. Regret not watching yes. at IMAX. Okay, uh, that would be Avatar. Easily, oh. James Cameron's Avatar. IMAX was out during Avatar. Yeah, but it wasn't wasn't big. And uh, like until the Dark Knight Rises, yeah. but yeah, Avatar was already out in IMAX in Malaysia. I think very few halls. Yeah. I think the the Jaya Times Square. Yeah. Before before it became GSC Max. Yeah. It was an IMAX hall. Okay. I missed seeing it there. So yeah, that was one regret I had. Uh, one movie I really regret not watching in IMAX. Another movie I regret not watching in IMAX. But the the normal version, not the three D version is Mad Max Fury Road. That's my answer actually. <laughs> I really regretted it. Uh, I, I, it was because of Mad Max Fury Road that whenever I watch a movie that I like now, if I watch it in a normal hall, I'll make it a point to go to the IMAX hall mm-hmm. because I regretted Mad Max so much. Yeah. Even in a normal hall, it was really insane. Same the here. sound and everything. I was really sad <laughs> because I watched it towards the end of, of its run. Um, well, in, at least in Malaysia, the reviews weren't great because a lot of people say it was stupid. It was just a mindless desert chase, but I guess people didn't get it here, sure, anyway. So I, I went to watch it towards the end of his run, and when I really wanted to watch IMAX, it was really... And oh, man. So I was really sad. I was really bummed, and since that day, until today, I'm just waiting for the day where GSC or TGV or whoever brings it back to the IMAX hall. Yeah, actually, now is a perfect time, yeah. you know, because of the whole coronavirus thing, and we, we're still showing movies yeah. here. Trust no. me, 50 ringgit, and I'll still pay it, man. No, probably not that high, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll still pay it. <laughs> I love Mad Max, man. 
Yeah, I will definitely rewatch Mad Max Fury Road and IMAX Hall again. And and Avatar if they ever decide to show that. I'll go topless. I will go with my head (laughs) sprayed black and you know the full chrome experience on my own self. (laughs) Spray paint yourself. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) man. So yeah, and again before we end the topic, we're gonna have that one last thing that we're gonna say in the show. Uh, one thing that we've, we've recently read or ate or watched, anything that we feel that, hey, we just want to share this little podcast that we're doing. Uh, personally, it will be the Expense book series. Ooh. I've been reading it for the last seven to eight years. I'm a very slow reader, I, and this book is quite thick. So if you like sci-fi, the best way I can explain it is that like great sci-fi like Dune, Blade Runner, they all came out in the 80s and since then or earlier before that uh, the sci-fi industry or the creation of sci-fi has seemed to hit a certain standstill I mean we're getting interesting stuff but nothing as groundbreaking as sci-fi back then especially with Dune, Blade Runner, Fahrenheit so we've had a dry run with sci-fi until this The Expanse series it is great man it's telling original, unique sci-fi ideas and concepts in ways that has never done before. And it's really hard if you actually think about sci-fi. A lot of sci-fi ideas are actually just uh, the same thing, but we tweak and everything. So The Expense by James A. Corey. It's really good. The book, I think there's nine books now. Eight books now. The ninth book is the last book, and I think it's coming out end of this year. So if you haven't read it, it's the perfect time. The book is complete, unlike Game of Thrones, which you have no idea if it's ending or not. And there's a series too, and it's on Amazon right now. It used to be on Sci-Fi, but Amazon bought it over after season 4. If you ask me how well is it adapted from book to series, I think it's better than average. Especially the first season is a bit shaky. It gets really good in the second season. Certain things, they don't translate well, but the main part of the story arcs and the plot twists is almost exactly like a book. So because of that, I would say that it's a pretty good adaptation. Um, the characters are changed, a lot of minor storylines are changed, but the major story arc is the same with the book. Highly recommend The Expense by James A. Corey. Ooh, cool. Yeah. But you saw the series already, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't finished it, I'm at season 3. Because season 5 is coming out end of this year, so I'm the kind of person who likes to watch it when it's done and I can't take that that wait for a series, I just can't, I don't do that. Yeah, the series is okay, it's pretty good. I would say that in terms of book adaptation to series, I think it's on par with Game of Thrones. Wow! Mm. Of course Game of Thrones, the plot twist is... Minus the last two seasons. Yeah, but in terms of like a book adaptation, yeah, you can say I can say it's better than Game of Thrones from wow. what I've seen online, because Game of Thrones from the book to the series is a huge change. It's a big call. Yeah, it is Game of Thrones. Wow. In terms of adaptation, yeah, but of course quality wise, Game of Thrones that first half, first five seasons was just amazing. Right. right? Of yeah. Today's uh, recommendation from my end would be Steven Seagal's on Deadly Ground. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is yeah. I mean no. If you want to go, <laughs> yeah. I I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I know you like it, right? That's in, the one. In, in a bad way, yes. That's the one you like. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, I like Under Siege, but the one I like in a bad way is that. Sure. But that, that's for another time. Yeah. Uh, my real recommendation for today uh, is another anime. Uh, it's also science fiction. Yeah. Uh, 
not many people have heard of this, if at all. Uh, again, you know, I have to thank my friend who recommend me to watch all these weird, obscure animes during high school. And I yeah. still remember the ones that I remember the most are the ones that stuck yeah, with me. Yeah. So, and the one I'm telling you right now, the, the name of the anime is called Now and Then, Here and There. Right. So basically, you know, you know what's an isekai plot, right? Or at least you get it. Uh, just in case the so, audience doesn't know. Uh, just in case the audience doesn't know. So there's this current trend right now in anime about isekai. It's like, oh, there's this like normal high school kid who somehow falls into a portal to a fantasy land, you know, okay. you know, so and then he meets all these uh, magical girls and all that. Yeah. This is uh, similar in that a normal high school kid falls into a portal, but picture the exact opposite of fantasy whimsical land. Sure. And so Tim Burton? Not Tim Burton. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. It goes dark. It goes really dark. No, no, no. I would think... Uh, like those nightmare paintings you get. It's not even a nightmare painting. It's like... Basically, you fall, uh, you, he falls into this futuristic world yeah. where there's no water, there's people being oppressed by a sadistic dictator who can be completely dark. Basically, it's like the animated dictator with the certain mustache, minus the mustache. Yeah. So yeah, it, it goes there because he is obsessed with finding this strict, mysterious girl who has the power to control water. Okay. So... There's child soldiers, there's brutality, there's murders, it's graphic Sounds violence. Bizarre. It's bleak, it's really bleak. I really can't put my finger around it. It's like a carless Mad Max. Sounds like a very hard watch. Yeah, it is a hard watch, but it stuck with me because it basically shows the human condition in less than what, 13 episodes and it's an engrossing watch. It's basically very dark, you know, themes of humanity, themes of despair, you know, greed, also, uh, you know, <laughs> the commodity, greed over commodity, in this case, water. Sort of like Mad Max again, yeah. like Immortan Joe, yeah. how he decides to control his, literally his citadel of water. Yeah. Very similar in that regard. Cool. So, What's the title again? Now and Then, Here and There. Left it's haunting. Really? It's a haunting anime. I highly recommend it. Not many people have heard of it, like I, uh, like I said earlier. But yeah, give it a watch, If providing you may have the stomach for it. It's not gory, but it's definitely bleak. Disturbing? Yes, quite disturbing, because there's uh, graphic brutal violence. Yeah. You get that? There's, there's, there's child soldiers killing one another, so, mm. you know, it, it's pretty, yeah, very Knowing anime stuff. when there's violence scenes, they don't hold back. They really do not yeah. hold back, because it's more effective because it's children who, who look like cartoon characters doing the killing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. So that's our one last thing. And well, thank you for listening. If you were here with us when our mic was really bad before this in the first two episodes, I hope this is much better. We'll try our best to learn how to edit and play with the technical mic stuff. Yeah, follow us on Spotify, YouTube if you don't have Spotify, or even on iTunes, I guess. And yeah, I guess that's it.